one of the greatest Hispanic superstars of all time, Pedro Morales began his groundbreaking legacy with WWE in 1970. I'm born and raised in a small island, 28 square miles, about 800 people when I left there. Despite his small beginnings, the modest and friendly superstar quickly became a worldwide sensation. No matter where you go, if someone asks you for an autograph, they want to shake your hand, you take the time to do it, and this is one of the reasons you are so popular. One of the greatest loved World Wrestling Federation champions of all time. Morales's good-natured personality among fans was in stark contrast to his fiery in-ring temperament. Former Intercontinental Champion, former co-holder of the World Tag Team title. Pedro Morales stands tall as the first superstar to achieve the Triple Crown accolade. You have done things that no one else has come close to. I mean, what's left for Pedro Morales? Immortalized in the class of 1995 Hall of Fame, Pedro Morales serves as the cornerstone and the ultimate inspirational figure for all future Latino superstars in WWE. Anytime they want any action with this Puerto Rican fellow, they can have it. I love it, baby. following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. It is Friday, February 19th, 2019, and you are tuned in to Season 3, Episode 7 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hameen Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking to the Australian sensation Craven and Miss Abilene Maverick. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, Twitch.tv, Hitting the Marks. Email us at Hitting the Marks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. I have no RBV as he is on location in Cincinnati this week. So, here's what we're going to do this week. The other day, Huckleberry and I had a chance to sit down with the Australian sensation Craven. This conversation goes for about 40 minutes. This is going to be the meat of this week's episode. And then on the other side, we will have an interview with Miss Abilene Maverick from the Women of WOW, previewing her big matchups 
coming up as well as everything going on inside of the WoW universe. No Elimination Chamber preview this week as Huckleberry and I, neither one of us are really into this week's show. So, Monday in the locker room at hackerhameen.podbean.com, you will get your full Elimination Chamber review. And until then, here it is, our interview part two of 12 with the Australian sensation Craven. I'll be right back on the other side. What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome back to this very special edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com, presented by Hameen Media, and of course, in association with LastWordOnProWrestling.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. I'm here with my tag team partner, RBV, but today we have a very, very special guest for you as we are doing part two of the Year of Craven. Please welcome back to the show, the Australian sensation, Craven. How are you, my brother? Hello. Good. I'm fantastic. How is everybody over there? I hear it's a bit cold. Yeah, the weather sucks here. Uh, Right now, I got 26 degrees. I've got 13 inches of snow. I got 40 mile an hour winds. Huckleberry sitting on the lake over there in Ohio. You know the weather sucks because, well, it's Ohio. What's the weather like in Australia today? Well, I don't know if you're going to convert it into Fahrenheit, but it's Right now it's 10 o'clock at night and it's about 19 degrees Celsius. So it's, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's, it's, it's clear as day. It's beautiful. There's no wind. And I'm, like I said, uh, before, before we just started recording, I just told you, I just got done from doing some cardio outdoors and running up and down some stairs. It's a nice night. So it's pretty cool. So sorry about that. I'm not freezing cold. It would actually be 67, Huckleberry, 67 degrees where he is. I think we're both uh, great minds think alike. I just went and hit the Google machine, too. So I got 67 degrees, too. So Craven is he's actually relaxing in uh, what we would consider a paradise as we're sitting here freezing away uh, in the tundra. Awful. Just awful. It's not too bad. I, I can't complain. I see how it is. Well, you know what? On that on that note, let's let's get the first official question out of the way. Craven, how's that Twitter account coming? Well, it's a work in progress. <laughs> um, no, it's it, it's not. Well, yeah, I, I I may have logged on to Twitter once or twice as far as like just the home screen, but that's probably as. Far. Then I got sidetracked with a with a few things. So um, I'm I'm pretty sure that, I'm pretty sure we still have a deal to make. I'm not sure how that deal is going to go, but you know it's it's, it's getting there. It's getting there. So there's, there's, I think there's been more developments on a deal. Whether I, if I don't get a Twitter account by May 25th, <laughs> has had more progress than me actually getting a Twitter account. But you know it's it's in the diary. We'll get there. Been very busy. You know, here we are at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. We're putting Craven on our show. It's the highest rated show that we've ever had. It was liked on Facebook like 2,500 freaking times. This guy doesn't even have a Twitter account. (laughs) I guess let's talk about some wrestling. Uh, Craven, I guess uh, first things first, you've got this huge epic match coming up on February 22nd. You're going to be taking on Explosive Pro Wrestling's School of Wrestling Coastal Champion, the big rig Scotty Ryan for the championship, trying to add a bit more gold to your collection down there. I know your affiliation with EPW is very close to your heart. Why don't you tell people a little bit about EPW School of Wrestling and tell us about this matchup with the big rig well yes so EPW school of so EPW uh, this was what 
in we want to refer we want to get away from this uh this terminology at EPW but it's what the old fans would call a quote unquote house show which means nothing to any of us anymore because we go out there and treat every show as if we're walking into WrestleMania and that's that's what happens at uh EPW the 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 motto there is don't be shit and we're not going to be shit at anything but these house shows quote unquote are solely run out of the brand new EPW School of Pro Wrestling um, training centre, which has had a tremendous amount of work done to it, pretty much turned into like a TV studio. So we're going to run the show there and we're starting these showcase shows as in-between shows for the main shows that, well, I just did Hot Summer's Night um, just last week, which is out at the Gate One Theatre at Claremont Showgrounds, which is quite a big venue. Um, I'm pretty honoured that I got asked to main event that show and finally get a shot at the Coastal Championship. Um, Scotty Ryan and I have never stepped into the rig, into the into the rig, into the ring before. He is a phenomenal worker um, and he's a phenomenal wrestler, to be honest with you. And the dude is, yeah, you know, I don't even know how tall he is, but I I look at him and I look at his chin. He's a big boy. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, I was honoured to be asked to. It was actually the fans that chose that match. Have you have you seen the history behind that? It was a Twitter poll, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, a Twitter and Facebook poll, um, which is ironic because I don't have Twitter, and they put up six of the guys that six guys in EPW which believe you know should have a shot at the, at the Coastal Championship, and I think uh, and they just let the fans vote solely fans, um, and I think I the out of all the votes that were cast. I think I got something like 54 or 55 votes out of the six guys. And the, the closest one to me was, I think, was 17. Then it was like 17, 16, 14, 13. So I just, so they said that's what they wanted. So they made the match at uh, EPW's School of Pro Wrestling Showcase number one, back to school. So it's going to be great. So unlike the WWE at EPW, they actually give the fans what it is that they want. Ooh, that's a soft. That's that's a uh, great way to put it. But they do, yeah. They they really do. They do. They are very well. They they're explosive. It's in their name. They're explosive pro wrestling, and it's fantastic. It's always a great night out. Um, uh, we'll talk about the show that I just did recently with against Tyler Jacobs at Hot Summer's Night. Fantastic show. Um, Tyler Jacobs, uh, background on his character, he's an EPW original. Absolute fantastic wrestler but at the moment he's uh he's got this thing going on where he is possessed or he follows the light and he's got these little children that help him i'm not sure if you saw a gift going around on um facebook at all but i lost that match because the girl stella nix actually got in my way and decided to kick me in the head over the top rope and give me a kip in sunset bomb i'm not did you see that on facebook at all and then oh, i yeah. showed up and i lost the match last week at See, this is, nice. why, this, this is why I have to write so many questions, because he just answered two of the questions that I had written for him today, Rick. I was going to say, man, it's just like, does he have the run in front of him? He's like stealing all of our thunder here early in the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry, but that that surprised me. That she must, she must, I don't know what this is in pounds, but that girl must be 40 kilos soaking wet. She threw me halfway across the ring. With that sunset bomb, you know what I mean? She looked like she was 15. Like, I don't know what that is in pounds, but, you know. She is she is phenomenal, and I mean, in all honesty, there's the guys that have been 
there's a guy, there are guys that I know that have been working their whole lives and they can't even come close to hitting a sunset bomb like that. So, you know what? She calls it seeing stars and, you know, credit where credit's due. She does it really well. So, yeah, it was fantastic. But, so they're the big shows. They're the EPW big shows. And then in between those shows going out to the big venue, um, they have what we call showcases now. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, you answered the hot summer's night question and everything, man, because I was all excited to talk about Tyler. He just he just goes, man. He just goes. So so let's talk a little bit about AAW. By the next time that we talk to you, you will have this huge match coming up at the All Action Wrestling Anniversary Show there in Perth. And Craven, you're taking on somebody very, very close and personal to you. This is a guy that used to be your best friend. We're talking about the Mecha Wolf. Why don't you uh, preview this matchup for us a little bit? Well, this is, you're exactly right there, see? There is a lot going into this match. There's so much emotion. So this match here at AAW on March 2nd is their anniversary show. So to paint the picture for you, anniversary obviously is in the name. It only happens once a year, and it's the longest-running AAW Perth show over here in Australia for that company. The special part about that show is I've never lost when I've appeared at those shows. So 10 years running, I've never lost at that show. <clears throat> for the ones that I've been able to attend and been in the country. Every time we've appeared at Anniversary, essentially it's The Undertaker, but over here for All Action Wrestling, for his WrestleMania run. The last person that I beat at Anniversary was 450. He came down to Australia, and that made it 10 years running that I won the show. Up until January this year, there was a All Action Wrestling Rumble, and the winner of the Rumble got a shot at the title at Anniversary standard sort of gimmick for every sort of wrestling promotion. Uh, I was doing really well in the Rumble, pretty much cleared house, hit a swanton, the lights went out in the whole venue. There's a, there's a movie, there's a video clip of it up online somewhere. A big wolf sound came on the screen on the big Titan Tron and two wolf eyes. And then John's voice came on, said he's coming back to Australia and he's coming for my streak. And the next minute I got eliminated from the Rumble by one of the rookies named Jules Cannon which I didn't really care about, so I was too preoccupied with the screen. So then me being really hot-headed, I went backstage and cut a live promo, just went straight on Facebook Live, of me just shouting at the camera because I'm so mad I couldn't figure it out. I mean, if you, if you followed me at all, you know that John and I were the best of friends. We've lived together. We've traveled together through three, four different countries now. We, uh, we work out together. We've, uh, we, we met each other when we... Didn't really know anybody in the United States. He was over from Puerto Rico. I was from Australia. We met in Chicago, and that was a friendship that started 11 years ago now, 10, 11 years ago. So, yeah, um, I guess he just wants to come back for the streak, and he and he wants to challenge me for it. So I accepted then and there. I didn't even consult anybody about it. And then, yeah, fast forward to coming up to a few weeks' time, he'll be here. And that's that in a nutshell. I'll say, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of breaking up there. Sorry about it. I'll say, you know, a great, great story there, Mr. Craven. Uh, 10, 10 years undefeated, and that's simply incredible. Uh, we talk about one of the great, you know, the great streaks in wrestling, man. That's right up there. But, you know, the last time that you were on the show, you uh, you discussed your first venture to Venom Pro Wrestling. 
why don't you go ahead uh tell us a little yeah. bit about your ex- why don't you tell us a little bit about that experience uh going over to the other side of that that great island known as australia well venom was great um venom was just the fans in venom were like super i <laughs> I did a, a Wrestle Radio show for Wrestle Radio Australia after I did the Venom show, and I just could not get over how enthusiastic and passionate the fans were there. It was just, it was incredible. It was one of the hottest crowds I've ever worked. Um, I came in, and there was a, I forget his name, um, Jason, Spaceman Jason Dacey, I think his wrestling name is. I didn't care who he was, to be honest with you. All I knew is, is, the, his, he goes out there and he beats up rookies and he sp- puts out open challenges. So then when I got to Venom Pro Wrestling, he had beat up a rookie in about 30 seconds. But then, you know, I told the music guy to keep my music and I went out there and I challenged him and we had a really good match. You know, at the end of it, you know, he faked an injury and he said he hurt his knee. Classic finish and the ref went to and I got up for the swanton. He hurt his knee. The ref gave me the X sign and told me to get down. And when I got down and faced the crowd to ask him what the fuck is going on, he rolled me up and pulled my tights, which the ref didn't see, one, two, three. So that kind of pissed me off a little bit that I didn't go there and win. But on the flip side, I've just been confirmed that I will be back at Venom Pro Wrestling on March 30th, which will be really great. So maybe able to get some retribution there or, you know, be able to redeem myself in front of those fans. But experience-wise, it was fantastic. You know, it's at the bar, and, you know, the fans were just awesome. So, yeah. Well, with with your return to Venom Pro, obviously, man, you, you like you said, you have to be looking for a little bit of redemption. Is there any other uh, maybe challenges that, that you'd like to tackle while you're there? Any other uh, stars that maybe we can put out there on the radar for the listeners? Well, yes, there is. There, there is a star, which you may know. You may know him. And I'm actually going over this weekend. I'm flying to Melbourne, which is on the other side of the country um, as well uh, for me. And I'm working Adrenaline Pro. And this gentleman is on the show. He's already booked in a title match, but he was at Venom Pro Wrestling. And he's at this show. And I keep running into him left, right, and center. And his name is Adam Brooks. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he does do PWG and things like that. And I really do want to match with Brooksy. I really do. So he's done quite a few big, uh, and I think that we could actually have an amazing match. So fingers crossed, promoters out there that are listening, if they do listen in Australia, or if he happens to be over in LA or working Ring of Honor, I think he's doing that summit wrestling that's coming up as well. Uh, that thing with like all the guys. Yeah, I want to match with. I do want to match with Adam Brooks. That is that is on the cards for this year. Hopefully, at some point. We are in the works to uh, get the promoter for the Wrestling Summit on the show. We'll have to uh, be sure to uh, pass a name along here. Uh, last time you were on the show, too, we highlighted a spot that I had seen from the crash. And this time, Craven, there's two of them I want to talk about because they kind of go together. The first spot, you narrowly avoid a spear and reverse it into an Australian destroyer. And then the second one was the spot from EPW where you got beat up by a little girl. As Hurricane Helms would say, what's up with that? Uh, but but really, <laughs> the, the, the bigger question here is, is something that we saw online the other day. And I'm sure you probably saw it as well. It was uh, Bandito. And Rick, do you remember who the other person in the match was? Uh, not a flamita. If you're talking about the destroyers, yes, yes. Was it flamita? If you were talking about the yep, the never, the never-ending destroyer after destroyer after destroyer, (laughs) and it caused quite a stir over in the (laughs) Hanian media discussion group. And I was trying to explain to people 
that lucha psychology is completely different than the psychology that we are necessarily familiar with in the United States. <laughs> Can you explain that yes, spot? Very much so. Can you? It, it, uh, it's just look, like I think I've said it to you guys, or I've said it on a podcast before. Maybe not to you guys. When I wrestle at the crash. Your psychology, I remember, this is, so I remember walking into the crash for the first time and I'm sitting at the back of the auditorium and I look at John and uh, um, Jay Rios was there as well. And I said to him, I said, so these guys are speaking Spanish and I'm in this six way and I'm freaking out. So I'm like, fuck, like, this is the biggest crowd I'm ever going to work in front of, like, at that time to date. Like, there was 9,000 people in the building and I'm like, I've got to make a good impression because, you know... I want to be asked back, you know, this is, this is it. For me, this was like, this is going to put me on the map. I've done this for a long time. So, and the first thing I asked is I'm like, I went up to John and I'm like, okay, so who's the, who's the face, who's the heel? He's like, listen, I'm telling you now, don't worry about that in your match. And the best advice he gave me then, he's like, get in, get your shit in, get out, repeat. And I was like, what do you mean? Like I've, I've wrestled my whole career. Like there's got to be ring psychology. It's got to make sense and stuff like that. And he's like, listen to me. He's like, it, you know, in his Spanish, he's like, listen to me, papi. Get in the ring. Get your shit in. Get out. Repeat. And I was like, so, okay. So when we went and spoke about the match and stuff, literally, there was a, like, in this translation, there was this spot where I literally hit, you can probably see it online, I, I duck a clothesline. I hit, like, a scissors kick, Canadian destroyer, swanton, then sort of like a Mishinoku driver type deal. And then I don't even go for a pin because in the spot, they're like, just put your hands up in the air as in to like celebrate. And the crowd lost their freaking shit. Like they were like, whoa. And I was like, where are they? I'm, I'm meant to be pinning this guy. It's the point of a wrestling match, but they just don't care. They just want to see like, they just love it. Like they absolutely love. There's like zero ring psychology. My first win at the crash came from a referee getting kicked in the nuts. Look it up online. Like the guy beat <laughs> The guy, the guy beats me up for a bit. Starboy is beating me up. The referee goes to push me off him. And he, like, Starboy shoves the referee. So the referee picks up Starboy and kicks him in the nuts and then decides that I'm Bruna and raises my hand. It's on my Instagram. And the whole, the, whole, the whole auditorium just loses their mind. And I was like, what is going on? I'm standing there with my hand written. I was like, I didn't even pin this dude. How did I win this match? Like, it's just like Lucha Libre rules, man. There's just like... There's no, I can't even explain it to you. I probably don't even understand it properly myself. And that's, that's honestly, because sometimes there's not even a tag. Like, then it's like a guy rolls out and you're jumping in the ring. And I'm like, am I even legal? What is going on? Next minute I'm getting thrown or I'm bumping someone or I'm, you know, far out. Well, so, my yeah, understanding is, my understanding when it comes to lucha tag rules is whoever the two legal guys are in the ring, as soon as one of them flies out of the ring, another guy from his team is legal. Like, whoever is in the ring is the legal man when it comes to Lucha Tag rules. That's the best way that I've ever been able to understand it. We were talking about the spot in the group, and it's like, listen, dudes, I watch a lot of Lucha, and I still don't understand the lack of psychology to Lucha. I, I work lucha and I don't even understand the psychology of lucha rules. So it's like, but I think the the um, spot that you're talking about with just the never-ending destroyers, to me, I love that stuff. Where some traditional wrestling fans that, um, and it's really, it's actually really freaky you said that because uh, the promoter from 
All Action Wrestling, um, spoke to me just, and he's like, he is a very Hulk Hogan, um, Ultimate Warrior. He loves characters in wrestling. When he's a, and he's a great promoter because he loves characters and he puts a lot of efforts into storylines and characters. When it comes to the bells ringing, he couldn't really care as long as the crowd's happy with what they see, but he loves your character work. And he came and asked me, he said, so you and, you and 450, if I'm not receptive to your match afterwards as much as you think I should be, even if you go out there and kill it, it's just because it's not my style of wrestling. I know that the fans want to see it, and that, you know, but it's not my... I don't like moves for the sake of moves, which is technically what a lucha match is sometimes. You know, it's just bullshit for the sake of bullshit, which goes against every bit of American wrestling psychology ever or from what I'm led to believe. You know what I mean? Everything's got to make sense. I have a purpose, you know, and got to, you know, be good. But sometimes in lucha matches, you just see move after move after move after move and then everyone's down and you're like, what the fuck just happened? But it was really awesome to see it. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but that's what I see. I, I you know? agree wholeheartedly. So, yeah. I, that's what I loved about Lucha Underground and what happens in AAA, CMLL. I mean, New Japan gets that way a bit at times. But now, I, I guess really kind of where I want to steer this conversation is a bit more towards AEW and Ring of Honor. because, Well, and even Impact Wrestling, because at this point we're seeing this huge influx of Lucha talent coming into America. And I'm just, I'm not sure how that is going to translate. You know what I mean? Well, I think, well, for example, look at Double or Nothing. You've got the, the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers, right? That's going to be phenomenal because Matt and Nick have worked that much in Japan. They know how to work that, but they've also got psychology behind them uh, because of their training. Working Penta and Phoenix, I think Penta and Phoenix are, are like, they are Americanized in a sense. You know what I mean? Like, they've, but I, I don't know. I think it's good. I love, but I, that's my style of wrestling. Some people hate watching flips on flips on flips. and But I love watching that. That's that's what I love watching. So, well, I mean, um, it also, yeah, it's, it's really. The, the issue is going to present itself where, like, okay, let's say, for example, let's assume that the Lucha Brothers are going to work as singles as well as a tag team. I'm I'm wondering what happens when you have somebody like Ray Phoenix and he's working with Hangman Page and it's somebody who's not familiar with that Lucha style. Like it, as as somebody who enjoys Lucha, as somebody who does Lucha, when you go to a promotion that's not necessarily geared that way, how does that translate? Um, I like there's from how do I put this? So you can go. So when I, for example, when I went to Venom, right, the guy that I wrestled was six foot two, uh, 120 kilos, whatever that, whatever that is in pounds, a big boy, you know, which I said to him, can you base for this, this, this? And he said, what's that? You know, like, I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? And I was like, well, so it does, you do have to alter half my move arsenal and like it's no no secret half my move arsenal depends on the other guy needing to be able to flip but in return i can give it back to them you know what i mean like i can make their their flippy stuff to look as just as cool as mine but if they can't do that then i have to go back to old school let's let's break it down to you know just old school wrestling and technical stuff which it depends on the crowd sometimes people want to see that 
but sometimes people don't. So um, at the moment, I'm at the moment the the buzz or the hype around where I go is okay. Essentially, quote unquote, he's going to do a flip. You know what I mean? It would be like Flip Gordon going somewhere, but people not being able to base and him or you know him not doing him not doing a flip. You know what I mean? They're going to be like, well, it doesn't really make. I don't know if that makes sense. So it's hard to translate. The guys that you you're working with have to sort of be able to, you know, meet some sort of that requirement, but not always, if that makes sense. See, and I think that's part of the intrigue with AEW. And I feel like it's also part of the hesitation that a lot of people are having with AEW and a lot of the conversations that I'm seeing going around online. Like, Rick, we even brought up, like, what... Craven, have you gotten a chance to watch much OWE as of yet? I have not. I've been, I've been, die, yeah, I've been dying to, but I have not had a chance to watch anything. I've just, I've just been super, super busy. That stuff's absolutely insane. What's well, so, so, Craven? You were talking about, you know, introducing unfamiliar styles to certain audiences, and I like how you, when you brought up, you know, when we're talking about Lucha Brothers, they're. The let's say like the North American, the European, the Australian kind of that style. That audience is is gotten pretty familiar with the Lucha Brothers and their style, and they're adjusting a little bit. But with AEW, they want to introduce so many other you know different styles, you know, in ring performance. And as Jargo was mentioning, this this group from from China. I mean, these guys. I mean, this looks like like a circus circus. Uh, whatever. What is it, Jargo? Cirque de Soleil. Yeah, I mean, it's an over the top acrobat. It's an acrobatics. I mean, it is really over the top. Do you think? Uh, I mean, is that gonna is that gonna kind of mesh in with this audience, or is there gonna be a backlash from it from someone that has you know with you? You're talking about you know you like that over the top kind of stuff. I mean, what is the adjustment period for these fan bases that are used to that traditional style? Um. Well, that's that's it's like a million dollar question because I don't believe that anyone that's attending I don't believe anyone that attended all in or is it trying or going to attend double or nothing or any of these AEW shows they're not going to be a, a fan that just watches Raw and Smackdown you know because if they know if they knew who all elite were or are sorry they would have known something to do with independent wrestling you know whether it's even impact to an extent you know um so I don't think I don't think you're going to get those people that just simply watch Raw, SmackDown, and the pay-per-views um, and just have North American wrestling because they're not really exposed to the independent wrestling scene. And what I'm trying to get at is if you are exposed to the independent wrestling scene, you would have most likely watched some, some something out of New Japan or something out of China or Asia or or, or Europe. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, some may be getting an avenue now with NXT UK, to see some different styles, but I don't, I don't think that cross pollination sort of thing would would really be happening. So I don't know if it would actually exist, but I, I may be wrong. Does, can you see what I'm trying to say? Like you would have to have, you know, it wouldn't. If someone said to you, to a WWE fan who just watched Raw, check out this indie stuff, and they watched it, and there was they happened to flick on a match which just had no characters and zero psychology, but it was just flips they might be like oh cool but you know where's you know where's john cena for argument's sake you know where's his promos where's this where's that 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that question because I don't know. I think I think AEW is ticking all the boxes to be honest because I think they've got everything. I think they've got, um, and I'm a big fan. I think they've got their old school stuff and the cross promotion stuff, which they're trying to fuse together. But I think they're smart enough to keep what they need to keep separate to make their show go on. I guess like my, my fear is like what happens when Sonny Kiss takes on Hangman Page? You know, like like as as we're building wow. the full promotion and roster and we have, you know, we're establishing these are the guys at the top of the card. This is the guys at the lower end of the card. I'm just trying to figure out how these styles are all going to blend together. Well, put it this way. You show any... Not any wrestling. Well, look what's happening right now with Dean Ambrose and Nia Jax. I, I believe this is more in in relation to your Sunny Kiss question. You show any normal wrestling fan or non wrestling fan Sunny Kiss, they're going to be like, "What?" You know, that no, like obviously, my best friend is gay and. Um, his name's Dave Marshall, and so I've got nothing against that. But some people will be like, "Well, what is this?" That that might even make some people squirmish or offend them, and they might be like, "What is this? Is what this is the wrestling that you watch?" Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to react. But what's what's going on with like Nia Jackson, Dean Ambrose at the moment? I've seen some things online. The thing that I believe is the difference is AEW is not is privately owned. Yeah, so they don't have corporate sponsors I don't know if this is going to make sense I know I know it makes sense in my head they don't have corporate sponsors telling so because Vince is a shareholder company you know he might say I want Nia Jax versus Dean Ambrose and then one of his big corporate guys says you put a guy versus a girl and we're pulling 20 million dollars off you for the next two months and he can no longer do it where AEW has the freedom where they're privately owned to say if we want to put well Sonny Kiss versus Kylie Ray or Hangman Page or whatever, they can say, I can do whatever I want. So if the market's demanding it at the time, that's why I believe they're going to succeed. I don't think it's going to have... Can you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely head. But yeah, yeah, so that's... Yeah, I I don't know what it's going to happen from a fan's point of view. I think think Cody, the Young Bucks, and the Khan family... (laughs) The Khan family, I believe, is ruthless in a business sense. Not not as people, but if they don't start to see a return on AEW, they're not going to give away all that money for free. You know, I reckon they will say, like any proper businessman, if they're not going to get a return from it, they're going to say, no, nah, that's it, no more, no more money. We've given you enough. It's not giving us a return. Something's got to change. But I think Cody, well, there's years and years of wisdom in Cody instilled into his blood, along with the Young Bucks, are smart enough to say, this is going to work, or if something's not working... I don't believe they're going to be stubborn enough just to push it to prove a point or because some shareholders are telling them to do so. I reckon it's a privately owned company. If it's not working or it's not getting what they feel so they should get out of it or they're losing attendance because of it, they're free to change it. So hopefully that's how it works in relation to your question is what's going to happen to the fan viewing point of thing. If it's not working, I don't think they have to pursue it because, yeah, that's, that's how I see the whole thing. But that might be diving a bit too deep into the, you know, Valid. the okay. underneath layers of pro wrestling. Well, I, I agree with it a lot, you know, because, you know, with 
with all of these different avenues they want to go down and these different styles they're, that they're going to present, I mean, that's great to offer a variety. And But they're going to have to like probably decide real quick what's working because uh, consumers, they're, they're just used to things. You know, they like familiarity. So if we get in here and they're not, you know, they're not really buying into the, you know, the Oriental style and all that. I mean, that might be something they have to go, you know, goes to the wayside. And when the novelty wears off of, you know, all in and double or nothing, and this is a real promotion, you know, they're going to have to, you know, iron out all those wrinkles. Uh, I guess, Craven, what, what do you think? I mean, they're obviously going to want, they're going to try to catch that fire going back to, and I'm sure we, we've all been there. Uh, I'll use like when the first time we saw ECW, there was something so different. It, it just, you gravitated towards it. It grabbed you, it wowed you. What would you say that, you know, for AEW, what would, what do they need to do to kind of give off that vibe to grab, you know, the masses, the majority? I, th- I think they're doing it. Like, uh, like, like I said, I'm, I'm a bit biased because I'm such a big fan, as, especially because, well, I've, I've got a lot of friends that, you know, or people that I know that are, that are currently in the process of, um, you know, looking at getting signed or, or signed for the promotion but I honestly think that I honestly think they're a force, like I said to you last time, that is not to be not to be pushed aside lightly. I mean, they're they're doing everything. They're, they're they are getting big quickly. But if you look at the structure, they they started with this all in, where it was a massive risk, and then now they're they've gone up to Vegas and they're getting all the right stars, and they've got a backing behind them, and it's. It's they're they're a classic underdog story. Like at the end of the day, they're a real life underdog story. Matt and Nick, and me, just their story. Whether they've played it up to the media or not, or they've just worked freaking hard, which is what I believe they have, and they've created. Like two brothers have created this, along with the help of you know meeting people and friends and stuff. And you know it's just it's just a great story to go along with the promotion. So if they can push continue to push great product coming out of that promotion it's it'll be one of my dream oh I'll, I'll tell you right now the day that i call you and say guess what i'm just not saying this will ever happen it's a dream but you know guess who's get, gets who's just signed a contract to wrestle an AEW show i'll probably won't be able to speak there'll probably be tears in my eyes <laughs> you know what i mean like it's just that's what that's what i think is the best uh I don't know. I think they're doing whatever they need to do to grab the audience. They're creating hype and buzz and, you know, um, they're selling out shows. And pe- I think people want tickets to these shows more than they want to go see the shows just because they're selling out so quick because of the fear of like, well, what the fuck am I going to miss at these shows? You know, so whether that wears off, like you said, of being a bit of a novelty or if they continue to up the game, but then you're right. They will get to a point where, what do we actually do now? <laughs> like when you're at the top of the mountain, where do you go? You know what I mean? And how do you stay there? That's going to be the challenge. And that's going to be our conversation for maybe not now, but 12 months time, maybe in the last one of these shows, or if we do a follow-up show. And- Rick, you said you had a, a good follow-up there. Why don't you throw it in? Well, I was going to say, you're talking about, you know, waiting for that, that call craving. I guess you're the big one out there. It's a great debate amongst, uh, you know, at least from our end, the fans and all that. I'm sure with, you know, with people that are inside looking for those spots. Let's say you get two phone calls. You get one from AEW, you get one from WWE. Which one are you calling back? Well, look, all I've ever wanted, and (laughs) like I said years before, 
do I inspire to be Vince's champion? Of course. Do I aspire to be you know, Cody, uh, Brandy Rhodes' champion, so to say? Who wouldn't at this right time? That would be the hardest decision right now to make. Right now, it's just where I feel, and I honestly, my intuition feels, I would probably call AEW back at the minute. Um, wow. Because I just, I just honestly feel like I really, I really would. I just, I feel like they're really. And I know there's a lot of hype around it and stuff um, because they're so new and that, that they are seen as a novelty. But I believe that those three, well, obviously, Cody and the Bucks are so passionate behind it. They're not gonna, they're not gonna go. To, they could have, they could have signed and been set for life with paychecks and not had all this stress on their back and not taken the risk. But I believe that they they said as a gimmick, I believe that they wanted to change the world, but now I think they actually believe it. So yeah. And that's my honest question. That's my honest answer to the question. It's a hell of a, that's a hell of an answer. Uh, Craven, why don't you go ahead, plug any future events that you would like and kind of let us know what we're going to be talking about for the next month and then give us the social media and plugs before we get disconnected again. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Weather blizzard storm. Um, okay. So the next few shows this, this week, February 16th, I've got adrenaline pro wrestling in Melbourne, Australia. Then 22nd, I'm back here in WA for Explosive Pro Wrestling Showcase 1, which we spoke about on February 22nd. Then after that, we obviously go, the next half of that will be March 2nd, which is the big anniversary show for All Action Wrestling against Mecca Wolf. Um, I'll give you those shows for now. I've obviously got a whole bunch of dates coming back up. For United States listeners, if you're around the Chicago or um, San Diego area and want to jump over the border, back at the crash... April 13th, um, and then freelance in Chicago, April 19th. And uh, obviously, very 90% sure our Black Label Pro on the 20th um, out in Indiana. There's some dates there. I will be in Las Vegas for um, the StarCast event and Double or Nothing, simply just hanging around, not going to have a booth or anything, just going to be there for a day. So if you do happen to spot me, you know who I am, don't be afraid to come and say hello. And, yeah, and the only other thing that I wanted to talk about is there was the tattoo. Was that a deal that we made last time? If I don't have a Twitter account, was that an unofficial deal that we made? I'm all in, man. I'm all in on the, on the tattoo Okay. Deal. So, well, there was a bit of a development on that. So, uh, I think Oakwood tattoos that were tattooing at StarCast last year. I'm not sure if they're tattooing there again, but... Uh, so they do all the wrestling tattoos and stuff, but I spoke to, I believe, the, the store owner, um, uh, Chris, and he's actually he's actually donated his time to do the tattoo if we decide to go down that. So we might be able to record that and get some footage from media if I happen to not get a Twitter account in time. So now we'll just have to leave it up to what design we're going to have to get, you know? You never know what could happen with it's these things. Pretty so epic. Maybe we can leave that for the next show. It's pretty yeah. epic. So if you want to, I think I told you about that about the um, the tattoo guy. I think off air. So yeah, maybe we could get maybe we could look at maybe getting him on the show and seeing if you know he'll be like we'll, we'll set it up and we'll, we'll let him know what the what the deal is. Huckleberry, you got any tattoos? 
Man, I'm, I'm going to have to like break this to my grandma, man. If, she said if I ever got a tattoo, she'd whoop my ass. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. So I've never, I've never backed down from a challenge in my life. Yeah, Vince said that once. I know he had a promo, but you know, so but for you to get a tattoo. Huckleberry, you would have to lose a bet, which would involve me getting a Twitter account. So, you know, you just, I'm, I'm very busy at the moment, but you know, I'm liking our odds on our end. <laughs> what's, so, Craven, you Craven, know, since we're talking yeah. about tattoos, what's your favorite tattoo? Um, so, okay. So my, the tattoo that probably means, um, the most to me is I actually, uh, have a Triforce from The Legend of Zelda on my um, inside of my ankle. Um, I got it with uh, probably my best friend from who's also my daughter's godfather. Uh, we got these tattoos. Um, it's got a very special meaning behind it. Um, uh, quick snapshot, he tragically lost his father when he was about 13, and it was me and him, and we sort of went through that together. And to get through that time, all we did was play The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. So <laughs> that probably means the most to me. I've just got it. We got matching tattoos um, when we were, you know, 20 or something. Um, but my favorite looking tattoo on me at the moment, uh, until I probably get any more, is probably my Heath Ledger Joker on my shin. So I reckon that's my favorite looking tattoo. Very nice. Very nice. Craven, tell the people how to find you on social media and we'll let you get out of here because it's almost like 11 o'clock there down under. It is. It's quarter to 11 at night. But, sorry, Facebook, facebook.com slash Australian Sensation. Instagram, where I'm definitely most active, handle is at TAS underscore Craven, TAS for the Australian Sensation. And Twitter, coming soon. Dot, dot, dot. Fantastic, man. We'll talk to you in a month. Until then, be safe. No worries. Thanks, guys. Great to speak to you.
That was Feed My Frankenstein by Alice Cooper. Shout out to my new friend Joe over in the discussion group for thegorillaposition.com. Find them on Facebook. Simply search The Gorilla Position. You'll be able to find the discussion group there. Also, join us in the Hameen Media discussion group for the Elimination Chamber Pick'em Challenge coming up this weekend. Search Hameen Media discussion group on Facebook to join us over there. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about WOW. Have another big interview for you this week, ladies and gentlemen. It's an interview that I got to do a couple of weeks ago with Ms. Abilene Maverick. Now, inside of this interview, you are going to hear a conversation about Ms. Steffi Slays. We've been seeing Ms. Abilene Maverick and Steffi Slays go back and forth backstage inside of the Women of WOW. And this matchup is absolutely something that's going to be happening in the upcoming weeks. We have Ms. Abilene Maverick this week. I will have Ms. Steffi Slays on the show for you next week. So here here it is, my interview with Miss Abilene Maverick. I'll be right back on the other side of the road. What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome back to this very special edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com, presented by Hami Media and in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but let's welcome in our guest. She comes to us by way of College Station, Texas, making her second appearance on the show, Miss Abilene Maverick. Miss Maverick, welcome back to the show. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. I was so excited when I saw that you were one of the uh, the people that we could have on the show, and I was like, yes, now is the perfect time for a follow-up. It's been just a couple of weeks since the last time that we talked to you. Uh, WOW has now made its huge debut on Access TV. Give us a little bit of an update. What has life been like for you since the show finally went live? Okay, so first off, um, I was so happy seeing the finished product. Um you know, because we see from our perspective, you know, we see the things we are doing. We, we, you know, see the show live right there in person. But it's so different whenever you get to see a product, you know, completely put together and you get to really, you know, sit down and watch and experience everybody's, you know, storylines. Um, I think that's what was so exciting because I was actually sitting there with my, my grandfather, my sister, brother-in-law. Uh, my two nephews, my niece, and, you know, so we had every spectrum of age and person watching this, and it was so fun to see, you know, their reactions to it, my reactions to it, and everybody across the board just enjoyed it so much. I was so happy. I never once either had to really explain anything to them. I think that's what was so cool about it, because I've, I've, you know, watched some wrestling with my family before, and I'm usually kind of stuck having to, you know, halfway explain to them, like, what's going on or who is who or, you know, what have you. And, you know, with, with WOW, it's so different because we have all of these really cool, like, backstories and, you know, all of this, like, character development. So you really know who everybody is. Um, and I think that's been a huge change for me on social media as well because I feel like my presence there, especially as Adeline Maverick, um, has just exploded. I mean... My, my following, of course, you know, doubled, which is, you know, pretty natural, which is really good. Um, you know, I'm glad that people were paying attention. And then, you know, they go to look us up. I think it's really cool. Um, but, yeah, it's just been – I feel like I, I've been more interactive with people. And I feel like people really, you know, are, are so curious to see, like, where my storylines are going and what my character is and, you know, everything like that. So we, 
Sorry, my cat is just over here talking away. Um, <laughs> you can probably hear her in the background. So just ignore ignore her if she starts, you know, cutting a promo on you guys. Um, but, no, it's just been it's just been like a whirlwind. Um, you know, everything online. I feel like it's going a million miles an hour. Um, I've been traveling ever since. You know, I went in. Um, you know, went to the Access Studios just last week and did some really awesome interviews. Even did you know talk is Jericho, Chris Jericho. Um, you know, from all elite wrestling. And so it's just been, it's been fantastic. How have you been? How are you? I, I am. Things. How do you feel about the show? I, I think the show has been fantastic. You know, one of the big things that we talked about the last time you were on the show was the production value itself. And of course we were talking about the in-ring product, the lighting, the way that the things was shot. But one of the things that we didn't know was how are these backstories going to be presented? What are the video packages going to look like? What are the interviews going to look like? And I think that wow has just knocked it out of the park here a couple of episodes in. Yes, no, absolutely. And thank you for saying that. I mean, I, I really do too. Um, I think that people are just, uh, they're ready to have characters again. You know, they're ready to have um, people that they can really like connect to and understand and, or not understand, you know, there's some you know pretty like mysterious characters on the show as well. But I think that's what's so fun because, you know, you look at somebody like the undertaker, you know, he is the perfect example of somebody who has, withstood the, you know, the test of time and people will legitimately go to shows or not go to shows just to see the phenom. You know what I mean? Like just to see him live. And the thing is, is he's not, he's never champion. Yeah. It's not like, you know, everybody's like, Oh, he's a champion. You know, we got to see him. We got to see him defend No, he is just a character. He's an over the top character. Everybody loves that allure. They love, you know, um, submersing their minds into these characters. And it's so cool because wow has done that, but with everybody. And that's one thing that we talk about on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast all the time. Obviously, we're, we're just coming out of Royal Rumble season. And the example that I would draw right yeah. now is Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar does not need a championship. Brock Lesnar is a phenom all upon himself. Whether he has a championship or not, you're still going to pay to watch Brock Lesnar. Exactly, because he's a beast, and you're interested in him. And then he has, you know, of course, Paul Heyman backing him as his mouth. And, you know, it's just like it's, it's compelling. It's intriguing. And, um, you know, we are even introducing those types of characters as well. Like, for instance, you know, we have, uh, we have Ozzy who comes out, and, you know, she's with a tribe of men that raised her, you know, like a cub, basically. And, you know, it's cool to see these things. It's cool to see people come out and have multiple layers to their character. Well, you know, it's funny that you, you mention a beast because we saw you a couple of times during the Access TV debut, and the first time that we saw you on screen was actually a backstage vignette uh, that Mr. McLean had seemingly put together that deals with Miss Steffi Slays. Now, the, the way that it was framed on the show... It was like you played this dirty trick on Miss Lay, setting up a matchup between her and the WoW phenom, The Beast. Now, this seemed to come off to me as you were just giving Miss Lay's this great opportunity. What do you have to say about the situation? Okay, so listen, first off, would you, if you were in my shoes and you knew that this woman was out here just like, breathing down everyone's neck she's wanting to tear someone to pieces are you gonna literally sit there and be like oh i'll go well and no. i mean obviously nobody's gonna do that you were booked for another match later on that night anyway well i mean 
mean, like, okay, look, like, I'm not going to throw myself to the wolves, and she's an easy target, and honestly, kind of a thorn in my side, so I was just like, easy peasy, she doesn't even know what's going on, I'm just going to, like, I'm just going to let her, let her believe what she wants, and if she's dumb enough to run out there and throw herself to the wolves, then so be it, it's fine. I mean, look, like, the, the, the quicker people can, can start knocking off, you know, other superheroes, the easier it is it's going to be for me one day to, you know, become champion. So really, I mean, it, it makes the most sense because it's a really good strategy, I think. It's, it seems absolutely ingenious to me. And then the next time that we would see you on the show, you were in a singles match taking on the woman known as Fire, who a lot of our audience knows as Kiera Hogan from Impact Wrestling. You picked up a huge win in the debut. It was a fantastic matchup between you two ladies. Tell us a little bit about the matchup with Fire and any possibility for a rematch, because I am absolutely seeing a demand to once again see Abilene Maverick versus Fire. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Um, you know, what's really funny about this matchup is she is the perfect example as to why I have given up on, you know, telling people, you know, because everybody's like, oh, who's your who's your dream matchup? Like, who do you want to, to wrestle or, you know, who, who do you want to fight? And she completely blew me out of the water. I had no idea how much we were going to go toe to toe. You know, like you kind of go in the ring and you're like, oh, this will, you know, you have your mind kind of set on, okay, this is going to be difficult. I need to really buckle down or, you know, maybe this is going to be a little bit easier. I'm going to pick up this win really easy and it's just, you know, it's, it's going to be like a, a drop in the bucket, you know, no big deal. And um, I think that I, you know, I, I think that to be like 1000% honest, I kind of went in with that mentality because I had my mind set on so many other things that I was just like, oh, this would be nothing. Like, this would be fine, you know, whatever didn't know much about her. And then I get in the ring and she's a spitfire. Like, I think, I think that her being a uh, dog fire is just absolutely perfect for her character because she really um, surprises you and you kind of don't know which way she's going to go. And uh, it ended up being one of my favorite matches and like getting to watch it back. I was like literally biting my nails because, you know, of course, like I'm the absolute worst. Like literally you could, I, I you know, you can tell me something and it like distracts me for five seconds and I forget what's happened. So whenever I watched the match back on, you know, on television, on access, I literally was like biting my nails and anxious because I could not remember for the life of me, like how the match really went. Like I couldn't remember like what moves were done, you know, or whatever. And I was like, man, I'm like really into this. And it's me. Like I'm watching me versus her. And absolutely. I think that somewhere down the line, you know, you know, whatever, whoever we've got to like convince, I would love to beat her again, for sure. You know, I completely understand it. And it's one of those things that is so difficult to explain to somebody who hasn't performed in front of a large audience. It's the adrenaline rush is so intense that it's like afterwards, it's like you've been drinking for the entire day. You don't remember anything about what just transpired. There was many times where, where we would perform and I would go back and watch video of the performance and I'd be like, I don't even remember doing that. Yes, exactly. Like literally, because you get into that moment. I mean, 
uh, there was there was even one part of the match where I kept picking her up by the wrist and you know kind of like running like running my shoulder and like shoulder blocking her, and I genuinely do not remember doing that. But like watching it back, I was like, oh, I was in like a really vicious mindset. Like this is really exciting. Yeah, when when people say that they get addicted to adrenaline, this is what they mean, ladies and gentlemen, because it is a rush unlike any other. Uh, after the matchup, we once again saw you backstage conversating with Miss Slays. But I wanted to ask you about another encounter that transpired there that you had with Miss Chloe Hertz. What was that all about? She just comes walking up and just pushes you into the side of a wall. Okay, so first off, I think there's just bubble gum inside of her brain. And she was not thinking clearly when she did that. That knocked the crap out of my head, by the way. That is a solid concrete wall that I just, like, bopped my head against because... She just comes out, you know, total dip with her fur, you know, her feathers, her bling, and she just has, like, zero disregard for me, which is so dumb. I mean, look, like, I I am the master of, you know, mentally controlling and manipulating my opponents, and I, I just, I don't know, I think she's really going to regret making that decision because I absolutely am going to try and hunt her down and get her in the ring. Because, like, seriously, come on. Like, first off, let me, like, rag on Steffi because, I mean, she's such an easy target. She literally is, like, a a hurt puppy all the time. It's hilarious. And especially coming out of that match with the Beast, she was literally a hurt puppy. Exactly. I know. I'm like, okay, let me just kick her while she's down because this is, like, my entertainment. And then she just comes along and, like, smashes my face into a wall. No, thank you. I have to say, you know, as badly as I felt for you, because it looked it looked like a, a, probably the worst injury that you took throughout the entire course of the night. But the face that you made afterwards was absolutely the pop moment of the of the premiere for me. It was just, <laughs> I was laughing so hard. Thank you. I appreciate that. I died a little that day, but that's fine. That's fine that you think it's fine. I know. I, I, I feel bad <laughs> laughing at your misfortune, but it was just fantastic. Uh, speaking of the premiere, the last time we spoke, and you referenced it earlier, you said that you were going to be watching the premiere with your grandfather. Of course, we've seen you all over social media since, and I got to watch a live stream that <laughs> night of the premiere on Instagram. Now, we also talked last time about how you weren't really allowed to watch professional wrestling on the way up. What did Grandpa think of the show, and what was his experience like watching it back? So what's so funny is um, I've actually brought up that same point to a couple of people because, um, you know, it goes back to me saying I didn't have to explain anything. And a lot of what I mean when I say that is that whenever I was watching it with my grandfather, you know, and I was watching it with my, my niece and two nephews, I never once had to, like, tell them to look away. I never had to explain why you know, something was maybe a little too raunchy or, you know, maybe, maybe an angle or a storyline was a little too sexual or, you know, or something along these lines, right? Like I never had to explain off something happening that was not good for all audiences. Um, And I think that is something that's very telling because I like, you know, like, like you said before, I was not allowed to watch wrestling before because it just wasn't appropriate for a young lady to watch the product that was going on in the late nineties, early two thousands. And now with WOW, I know that I could literally put it on like in a restaurant or I could put it on at a friend's house and I could literally watch it with anybody and just be entertained and not be sweating bullets over there. Like, oh my God, I know that this is coming up. Like, 
I, I know I'm going to have to explain this or I'm going to tell my nephews to look away or, you know, tell my, my niece to, walk, you know, look away or, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's very nice to know that, like, I can just genuinely watch this and enjoy it with my family. That is such a good feeling. And they were so intrigued by it because, mind you, I'm not from, like, a wrestling family. So to them, when they watch WOW with me, to them, it's like watching a movie. This is all new to them, all new characters. They completely submerge into it. And, you know, they, they get to just, you know, like leave reality for a bit, just like watching a movie. And it's so cool to see it, you know, because this is the first time I've actually seen them sit down and watch an entire episode of wrestling ever in my entire life. I've never seen them actually fully watch it ever. You know, like they'll, watch, well, they'll you know, indulge me. and They'll watch one or two things just to, you know, be like, oh, you know. To appease you. Know, our aunt was telling us to watch this. Exactly. That is literally, and, and it, that's okay. I get it. Like, I think it's very, like, sweet and loving of them. But in this case, I couldn't peel them away. Like, we literally had to keep bringing, like, food to the kids because they were so glued to the TV. They wouldn't even eat dinner. Like, we had to bring food to them because they were like, no, 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 no. Like, we can't leave. You know, so-and-so is coming up or, you know, no, 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 we have to watch this or, you know, whatever. It was really cute. And uh, my, my grandfather, Turtle, was just blown away. He absolutely loved it. And what's funny is he didn't want to miss the premiere of the show. So every Friday he's been watching New Japan to like be sure that they didn't like accidentally show our show or something. I don't know what he was thinking. What does he um, think he of like, New oh. Japan? He loves it. It's so freaking funny because I never in a million years would have dubbed him to like first off watch wrestling, but B you know, watch, you know, Japanese wrestling where it's like this strong style, hard hitting. And he just, he eats it up. He's just like, well, I'm going to watch about 30 minutes of the new Japan. And then, you know, I'm going to watch wow after that, but I'm going to watch all of wow. And I'm just like, turtle, you were the cutest thing ever. And he'll like, tell me like he, he writes down notes and he will come back and like, tell me which wrestlers did what. And, um, he's like filling me on a new Japan. And oh, that's <laughs> I'm just tremendous. like, you were the cutest thing ever i know it's fantastic it's really cool that you know access has brought together two completely different spectrums of wrestling and entertainment um and put it in a two-hour block so it's like realistic for people to watch and you know what's great is and i think uh grandpa turtle and i have a lot in common when it comes to we love professional wrestling the sports entertainment on the other hand that that kind of leaves a thing or two to be desired on occasion uh finally miss maverick uh, she seems to be the hottest thing in women's wrestling right now and the last time that you were on the show we talked a little bit about your history that you have with her what do you make of Miss Tessa Blanchard's debut inside of the world of WOW and what's going on inside of the company with Tessa and current women's champion, well, the WOW champion, Miss Santana Garrett? So it is like totally the Tessa that we all know and hate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's, she comes in and she's just so brash and over the top and just so mouthy. And um, it's so funny because everybody's just like, oh, you know, you know, do you want to face her or do you want this or that? And I was like, listen, I'm going after the people that are like a, a nuisance to me directly and people that I know that I can, you know, take care of and, you know, get out of my way. I was like, and Tessa is just barking. I was like, once she's done barking and, you know, actually draws a little bit more substance, uh, to her track record at WOW, then I'll be interested 
if I see her beat Santana Garrett and become champion, then I'll be interested. Right now, she's a whole lot of bark, and I'm just waiting to see her bite somebody else. I'm going to study that. I'm going to watch how she's doing it. And if she becomes the big dog, you know, like she says she's going to, then I'll be interested in taking her down. It'll be very interesting to see how things shake out inside of the WOW Superheroes. Catch it Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Access TV. Miss Maverick, thank you very much for joining us once again here inside of the Locker Room Studios. Why don't you tell the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks how to find you across all social media platforms so they can keep up with yourself as well as the WOW Superheroes? Thank you so much for having me, honestly. Um, And For everybody listening, uh, you want to keep up with all of the WOW superheroes. That's the thing, not just me, you know, not just Tessa, not just Santana, not just, you know, uh, Kira Hogan, who's known as Fire. You want to keep up with all of us, and Chloe Hertz, who's known as Katie Forbes. Um, We all run into one another. It's very cool. You know, the world of WOW, the world of women of wrestling is very inclusive, and we all, you know, have little things that happen backstage that culminate inside of the ring, as you were saying earlier with me and Chloe Hertz and her kind of running into me, steamrolling me um, while I was talking crap to Steffi. So if you go to Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, you can follow all WOW superheroes at WOW superheroes on all social media forms. Um, We are posting content every single day all day long on the stories and the pages. Uh, We also have really cool follow-alongs that are happening on Wednesday um, with Like a Superhero. So you can go and see how we train to get into the ring. We get ring ready. It's really cool. Um, And then on Fridays, we are live tweeting with the audience about the shows. Um, Reach me personally. I am on Twitter and Instagram at wow underscore Abilene. And that is W-O-W underscore A-B- I-L-E-N-E. That's wow underscore Abilene. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Miss Maverick. We'll do this again soon. Yes, thank you so much. Have a good one. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then head over to the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Check out some of our friends, like Going Home with Ryan and Michael, Turnbuckle Talk with Joe and Carl. Congratulations on 100 episodes, guys, and a whole lot more. Also, search Hacker Hameen on your favorite podcast listening device so you never miss any of the content from RBV and myself over in the locker room on Monday. Stay tuned all week for daily content from the likes of Billy Ray Valentine, the Andrew Bellow, Strangler Steve King, Big Ray Hernandez, Ben Hameen, and of course, Big Stevie Cool himself, and much, much more. Be sure to visit our good friends over at LastWordOnProWrestling.com daily for all the news from around the world of professional wrestling. You can hit the show on Twitter and Instagram at HTMPWPod on Facebook, Hitting the Marks. Email us, HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. Find us Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for an all-new episode of HTM Sports at twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Find Huckleberry at the Real RBV. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up. You bad guy!
I'll be your bad guy. 